Welcome back to episode one of the Service Management Social. This week, we're looking at PR for service management and joining us is Amy Gavin, David Barrow, Rob York and Simon Reeves. This is part three. So if you didn't get an opportunity to tune in yesterday or on Monday, please check out these, um, check these out rather following the links below. Okay, so moving straight on to it uh, with our next topic, um, which today is around managing business risk through good service management. So business risks can materialize into to loss of business, breaches in security and potential closure of a business in extreme circumstances. However, a balanced and appropriate maturity of service management can reduce and mitigate these risks. What service level um, or what levels of service management are required to meet these risks in the coming months and moving into the new year? So uh, let's start with, with Simon on this one. I love risk. Risk yeah. is one of my favourite subjects. Um, so I suppose I, I flip the question and say, who has KRIs in their IT service management function? So we talked about in episode what, one, not two yesterday, user experience and, and XLAs. We talked about SLAs. We probably want to talk about underpinning contracts, but not many people talk about KRIs, key risk indicators. And I think they're really, really uh, useful from an ITSM perspective. Predicting risk and managing and mitigating that risk um, uh, is, is crucial. So I would suggest we need to truly start looking at effective KRIs and looking at KPIs and SLAs that predict risk in the future. So as an example, um, is my mean time to resolution on my major incidents meeting its SLA? Yes, tick. However, is the mean time to resolution increasing? And that is implying that the risk profile and the length of the, uh, the, the availability is increasing. Um, is my uh, unauthorized changes, my failed changes in appetite at the moment? Yes, but it's slowly increasing month on month. And that shows that we have loosening controls of our change process. So I'd look to establish some really robust KRIs for each process area uh, and then probably amalgamate it in, in like some form of critical success factor. Who, who That's quite you... a technical answer. Sorry, but uh, I quite like this subject. Yeah. So I suppose with that, then specifically, who are your who's your say target audience when you're promoting KRIs? Is it um, you know risk managers, security personnel within IT? Is it people on the business side, business continuity people? Is it you know who who essentially would you be promoting KRIs to? Where are you going to get that investment from? So I think it, it I think it depends on the organisational maturity. So um, you might have a first line, second line, third line of defence, internal audit, external audit, one of the big four. Um, but you can use it locally. Um, so you can maintain a risk register and, and, and KRIs locally within a team to drive service improvement plans locally. They're not something that need to be published necessarily widely. Um, but um, you know, it, it, I think it really depends on, on, on the organisation. To your point around the investment, I don't think they need any investment. Truly, really, they're just um, SLAs represented in, in, in a forward-looking uh, posture. And so you're taking SLAs and you're predicting what the future will, will occur, which is essentially risk management. And, and do you see, uh, this is kind of a question to you all, actually, I mean, do you see the, the kind of the ownership and governance of those better sat with uh, an individual team within service management, or do you see it better sat with sort of technical teams themselves, kind of managing their own risks? And their own KRIs, sort of setting them and also kind of governing themselves against them. Both. Box and hen house comes to mind. <laughs> Everyone should manage their own risks and there should be a, a consolidated view of risk across um, teams, functions uh, and organisations. Do you see a difference in 
say KRIs or, or, or kind of indicators that allow you to assess risk within financial services being different to in insurance to different in, 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 in kind of e-com or whatever else for that matter. I mean, if, if we look at, <laughs> if we look at retail, Rob, I mean, I, I suppose looking at Newell again, specifically um, a very kind of, I wouldn't say disparate setting, but certainly unofficially fairly federated do say us teams or the business in the us see things differently or, or risk differently to how perhaps it's seen in the uk um, and would you say that one retailer is seeing it differently to the next retailer and is retail seeing it uh, differently to perhaps another industry sector so yeah, I, I, right so i so i, I think you know, that there's globalization and in an organization i mean um the organization we had we sold to customers the customers sold to the end consumer um, and it's interesting from the risk perspective that um, quite a few years ago, but a view was traditionally that, you know, if all the systems fail, we just ship everybody what we shipped last time and we'll sort it out later. And that was kind of the, the continuity plan um, to, to, to go because we'll, we'll, we'll just sort it out. Obviously, with the digital age and everything else and how organizations moving into e-com, I think a different view is required. But, but yes, there, there are different levels, I think, on a global scale. Um, to, to risk. Um, some cultures are much easier to take risk um, and, shall we say, uh, fail fast and spin again, whereas other organisations and, and cultures, more importantly, and I think Europe and maybe the UK falls into this is a more cautious approach to how things are done. Um, and therefore, from that perspective, um, is how do you align um, and how do you take that forward? So I, I think to Simon's point, of having risk, risk um, KPIs is important because you bring that back to the business as a whole. And therefore, to get everybody onto that and realizing globalization and everything else, you know, there is an important here on commonality and risk is important. Um, but from what I've seen, obviously financial, I would say would be very different. Um, but if FMCG, it, it was almost like we can just, you know, just, just keep going and we'll see. With different kind of territories, um, countries, regions having different kind of external kind of compliances, legislation and so on, surely that drives a, uh, the, the culture itself and how you, you approach or how seriously you take risk. Is that a fair, fair point? Yes, because I, I, I think I, I had sort of like governance risk responsibility uh, for compliance in the EMEA region um, and that didn't apply in North America. Um, but then you have such things as the Sarbanes-Oxley um, situation and Enron and everything else. Uh, so there, there, are, there are different levels in organizations of what apply. Um, and I think when you bring that back to IT and, and delivering, it, it's getting out of a culture that kind of looks at it, well, you know, where I am, we're okay, that's your problem. And suddenly we create an us and them within teams from a compliancy perspective. And then, of course, you bring service management to the table saying we're trying to look at um, – a, a solution for the organization here that's going to work. And I, and I think as, as Amy mentioned on, on one of the previous um, podcasts we did, it, it is therefore aligning this and, and getting the business to agree. We are one. Um, and that used to be one of the mottos, we're one. And, and within technical teams, so that we, we have a combined way of working. Otherwise we all end up disparate um, situations, disparate solutions. And, you know, not my problem comes to mind. And that definitely, I think, as we've already said on the social side, is not the way forward today. 
Um, Amy, do you see a, a synergy or a relationship between XLAs and KRIs for your business? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, yeah. That is a difficult one. I think I might see a synergy, but whether our end users see a synergy or not is uh, is different because from from my consumer and my customer perspective, as long as they're getting the services they need, which is where the XLA comes in, they're really happy. Um, like you, Simon, I love risk. I find risk really interesting. Um, risk management is one of my it's one of my favourite things. So I know I'm a geek, but it's um, so we do a lot of KRIs. We do I do a lot of risk reporting within my team. Um, specifically now, but I am trying to push that out to wider teams. Um, and the easiest way I've done that to start with is by using, making sure when we're doing problem management, like traditional problem management, that we're risk assessing that problem. So before we decide whether we're going to fix it, it's not just about the cost, it's about the risk to the business. What are these risks? How are they, you know, what is the impact if this keeps happening, um, et cetera. So it's helping us and it's bringing this risk management to the forefront of people's minds, um, which I think is working really well. And it has opened people's eyes to risk. I think, does it have a direct impact on XLAs? Well, potentially in terms of if we're doing it properly and you're reducing the risk of things happening and you're reducing a risk of a, of a data leak or a finance breach or, or whatever else, then absolutely. But I think it's very indirect in terms of what the end user perceives. David, have you seen... Or, or, or been in situations where there has been a close alignment, given some of the engagements you, you, you've been involved in. And, and as Amy alluded to there, I suppose, you know, if we use a data breach as an example, it doesn't necessarily have to be that well, where something, you know, business critical has an immediate impact on the people working within that organization due to, you know, press and, and, and external pressures or, or higher kind of inbound calls or whatever else it may be. I mean, have you got examples of where you've seen a close relationship between the two? Yeah, I have I have two, one old and one fairly new. So the old one was I once had a role where I had one prevailing uh, target, which was to keep this particular, we'll call it an organization off the front page of the Daily Mail. <laughs> and that organization, um, it's a government organization, government, government uh, department, um, basically could not afford for its key service to fail at a key time of the year for self-employed people um, because it would end up on the front page of the Daily Mail. So in terms of how that impacted the, the consumer and the risk, that meant my risk profile and my ability to take risk was, was low, which meant the ability to innovate was low, which therefore meant the ability to innovate in line with the consumer requirement was also low and therefore essentially impacted upon their experience. So that's the first time I really saw that. Um, fast forwarding, I've, I've, been, I've worked last year for a, for a business that is going from a very much a sort of a B2B to a B2C, um, but they are heavily influenced by legislation and competition. Um, in, and going back to earlier points, their legislation changes depending on where they are in the world based on their product. So therefore they have to take appropriate risk within those regions. Consumers have certain wants and requirements, but again, they're not necessarily able to innovate in line with the rest of the world because legislation stops them from doing so. 
and that's a risk. Another risk for a business that's going B2C is competition. So if a new business comes in and is able to steamroller into your sector and has a much less risk averse approach and is able in their mind to innovate, they can take your business. So when you're looking at risk, you need to understand your environment and that extends to legislation, competition and your partners as an example. And those three things, going back to Amy's point, would probably make no sense to those whose experience you're measuring, mm. but how you adapt to those things can improve or reduce that experience. Yeah. And um, I think in one of the earlier podcasts, Simon said, you know, the business and the consumers don't really care how we organize ourselves and they don't. And he's correct. But those elements can materially impact how we're able to organize ourselves and innovate and therefore will impact on the consumer, hopefully in the positive manner, but it can easily go the other way. And just, just taking that, David, one of, one of the things I think through effective risk management is it could be a great opportunity to sell your organization to be mm. able to work with other organizations. So many, many businesses won't consume services now unless you're ISO 27001 accredited. Yes. Uh, and, and, and that in itself is a business enabler. So through effective security risk management, uh, you're, you're enabling a kind of greater opportunity to market. Um, I think one of the other things we, we've not really mentioned is about how we pass risk out of uh, out of the the internal organization to partnering so partnering is a form of, of, of risk management you're reducing and potentially increasing your risk through partnering uh, and outsourcing um you're you're potentially reducing your cost risk but you're maybe questioning your your quality risk yeah. uh, um and, and and they're the kind of things that you need to kind of manage those those levels um uh, in in service management so, so using that, Simon, as, as an example, if you are looking to outsource a, a service per se, um, where does the responsibility of consulting a business unit that has, you know, lots of kind of, I don't know, sensitive data hypothetically sit? Does it sit with service architecture? Does it sit with the people um, doing the kind of the SDP for that, that outsourcing? Is it, is it with the service managers that are interacting with them most frequently? Um, on an ongoing basis to understand what those are and feeding those back into service architect or service design and transitional, wherever it may be. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. I think it depends on on the type of service you're you're looking to buy and whether it's a commodity outsource service, that's kind of an off the shelf where you're you're agreeing to an end user licensing agreement. David will talk probably more about that with his ITAM knowledge uh, and that kind of assets or whether you're looking at a, a material managed service partner uh, materially delivering an, a managed service agreement for the next five years and different levels of outsource will require different types of kind of governance at, at board level uh, for a you know, five-year MSA uh, um, and, and especially the, the, the impact it can have politically. Um, at EBRD and IT, we, we've gone through kind of a first-generation outsource and, and obviously that type of thing is, is organizationally quite changing. So you have various stakeholders that would be involved in approving that. But Many other organisations, FTSE 100, 250, it, it, it's, it's bread and butter outsourcing and it's something that they do on a, on a day-to-day basis. So, so would it be fair to say that when you're 
you know, going through something similar to, to what you've just highlighted there, Simon, in kind of first-gen outsourcing programs or, or, or where the business is going through su- such significant change, it's, it's, it's a, a nuance for, for everyone in, involved um, on the business side anyway, to highlight the risk proactively to the business or, or essentially should you kind of just manage and, and kind of trickle in that knowledge of where the risk lies during that okay. program? Yeah, I'd say it's less about managing the risk and managing organizational change management at OCM. So how how the organization is, is on that change journey. Uh, risk should be managed with appropriate stakeholders. I don't think users should be should be worried about the, the risk yeah. passing between between organizations. They should be worried about how it impacts them and how it enables them. 